1: Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Visionary Wealth Advisors as well. And today I have the pleasure to talk with Nigel Bennett. How you doing? Hey, I'm fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome. Brett. Thanks. Thanks so much uh, for having me on. It's good to be with you. You're coming to us yeah. from Vancouver, Canada. Is that correct?
0: I am. I am. Yeah, Vancouver. Um, yeah, today it's a nice day. The past few days has been just uh, horrific. You know, is that right? Storm, storms and wind and rain, but uh, today's <laughs>
1: beautiful. That yeah. time of the year for it, isn't
0: it? It is, yeah. But but the positive thing is we had, I think, probably 30, 40 centimeters of new snow up at Whistler, which is about an hour and 20 minutes from here. So okay. I, I, I watched the radar, the snow radar. <laughs> Get some of that
1: fresh powder for skiing, right? For the fresh
0: powder. Yeah, I do. Right.
1: Well, good. Well, uh, I obviously know who Nigel Bennett is, but for those listeners that may not know who you are, you are an mm-hmm. author, you're a speaker, you're a philanthropist, you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Just doing a lot of great stuff out there for the world. So I'm excited to get your story out to our listeners. And, uh, but why don't you just give us maybe a little lay of the land, Nigel. What's made you the man you are today?
0: Wow. i I, I got to say, Brett, that I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts the other day, too. And I, I really resonated with, um, with Tommy Spaulding. Um, we have very kind of similar backgrounds. I, I also am dyslexic and have ADD and have a heck, yeah. had a heck of a time in high school. Uh, barely, barely graduated, and I got into technical college, British Columbia Institute of Technology, right after high school. It was a miracle that I got in, but I got kicked out after the uh, first term because <laughs> I failed out because I was I, I couldn't read. And uh, But I begged, and I scratched, and I clawed, and I got, got my way back in. And with the help of others, because I was able to surround myself with some really amazing people, they helped me graduate. And, um, yeah, and, and right after that, I... I ended up in Venezuela um, working down on the oil rigs, uh, doing some environmental mapping. My, my father had an environmental uh, mapping company uh, where he was doing national oil spill contingency plans for countries. And right out of high school at 18, the next day, you know, hungover and whatever I was <laughs> the next day after <laughs> high school graduation, I, um, I was in Venezuela and I was hanging out of helicopters and photographing Lake Maracaibo. Uh, for environmental degradation and whatnot. And um, I had a really rude awakening in my first week there. I was in a helicopter flying up the uh, west side of the lake and um, we were being hailed uh, from below because I think we got a little bit too close to the Colombian border and we were being shot at by the FARC guerrillas who are still operating in the area today. Yeah. So that was quite a, uh, an awakening for an 18-year-old yeah. kid. Yeah, but yeah I know I know coming from vancouver it was it was quite the uh quite the wake up call I bet, I bet. but then, but then I found myself for the next ten years working in um, many countries. I was in Brazil, I was in uh, Venezuela I was in Indonesia and china and then i I had a long stint in Egypt about five years on and off wow and that 's where i really um, where I really saw a lot of um, again environmental degradation from the oil. Oil, oil industry at the time um, on the Red sea so I, I I would just see oil flowing ashore from ruptured pipelines and wow. oil rigs and things like that and and it it really 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 shocked me yeah
1: so yeah. To, to the common man like myself and I don't know if mm-hmm. other listeners are experts in this or not but yeah through that you know we hear that right I hear yeah. spills you see the yeah. What it does to the to the fish and the dolphins and all these things Mm, right they come up on land it's terrible i mean it's absolutely terrible but yeah walk us through what it really means like what's that really mean to us as as humans here on this earth
0: yeah well what i what i really noticed was is i i was i was really fortunate i spent you know like i said 10 years in so many different countries it was a great sample of the planet and in Every location I went, I saw the same thing. So that was shocking to me because we, we tend to think of things as a little bit more compa- compartmentalized where it's only, it may only be here. It's only over there, but it was everywhere. Right. And um, yeah. And, but there, there was a really, one thing that really changed me is I, I, I drove up with our, our assistant in, in the desert and I had to do a helicopter survey of the Sinai Peninsula, you know, the Sinai Peninsula, um, just off Egypt and not the other side is is Israel. And um, I came up to a helicopter base and uh, in in the desert. And there was a a gentleman kind of waddled up. He was an ex-Vietnam. He was an American ex-Vietnam pilot because this was back in the early 1980s. And uh, he came up to me and he said, you know, I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you over the Sinai and I'm going to show you where, you know, where we're going. Uh, But there's only certain areas I can show you. And um, I know what you're doing. I really know what you're doing, but do you really think that you can make a difference mm-hmm. by doing what you're doing? And I was a young kid at the time, and I thought, hell yeah, I, 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 I really do believe I can make a difference. And he said, do you think that you know what you're doing out here? You know, people really care about because in Cairo, and, which is 300 miles away, people are you know trying to feed themselves and survive. They, they, they do you think anybody cares? You think anybody cares back in Houston? Uh, you know, where you know the oil companies are based. And that really resonated me for many years. So he took me on this flight and I saw things. He, I, we had two oil, oil execs in the back of the helicopter and he, and he I put the headphones on in the co-pilot seat and then he, then he could talk. He had his uh, headset on and he said to me, he said, okay, keep your camera between your legs, through the glass in, in the bottom. I want to take you as many photographs as you can of what you see. He said, whatever you do, do not let the guys in the back seat see what you're doing because we could both be thrown in jail and charged with spying. Wow. And I, was, you know, I was like, "Oh my gosh, that is!" You know, I was a young, young guy. I was actually probably in my my early twenties by this time. And um, so I did, and we flew, and we dropped these two gentlemen off, and then we we took off, just the two of us. And he showed me pipeline after pipeline after pipeline that was ruptured, flowing into the Red Sea. And from that day forward, it really resonated with me. And so I spent five years on and off in Egypt. And um, at the end of our at the end of our contract, I had a major shift in my life because uh, my father was actually arrested and thrown in jail. My, my, I was working for my father's company at this time. Sure. And he had to come to Egypt to you know, finish, finalize the, the contract. And he actually got arrested. I was in Alexandria in our apartment and he was flew into Cairo and he, he disappeared. And so I showed up in Cairo and was escorted to a room um, in a hotel um, by a gentleman. And I sat on the floor for you know, probably eight, eight or nine hours in the dark, uh, discussing, you know, what we thought had happened to him and he had been arrested and there was a phone call on on an old desk in the middle of the night. And I had to basically, it was my father on the phone. And he, he said a one, you know, one sentence said, take the next bus and get out of, you know, get, take the next bus and go stay with Mike. And I like, what does that mean? So it meant take the next uh, flight out of Egypt and stay with my cousin, Mike in London and try and get him out. So, So uh, long and the short of that is I did get out and he was incarcerated for about six months and we were, we were able to get him, get him out. Um, But when I got back to Vancouver, I realized that we, it was really tough. My sister was working for our business as well. It was really tough that our, um, our ethics clashed, my father and my ethics clashed. I, you know, he was, he evolved in a completely different space or time than, than I did. So I, 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 basically took my sister and my, myself, my sister, and another engineer, and we formed the company that I have now. It's called Aquaguard Spill Response. Um, so we broke away from my father, which was probably the most difficult thing that I'd ever had to do in my life.
1: Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. And so fast um, forward to today. I mean, how does that yeah. go? I mean, how's that uh, relationship? How's that uh, Yeah. country? It, it, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's really tough. I, um, it's been 20, 1992, I broke off. Uh, 1992, I broke off and formed this business, um, to help supply customers that I had met cause I've been in 10 different countries right. and I had customers going, we need help. We need help. Can you design equipment? And i had had a mechanical background from my, from, uh, from college. And, um, so we designed equipment for our, our customers to help, you know, contain and recover oil spills on the surface of water. Um, but unfortunately my, my father had his business. He went one way and I went my way and, um, is kind of hard but um was it five years ago he's 80 well when he was about 81 he he got busted again and extradited to the united states and he was incarcerated for five years he just got he just got out of prison uh, about three weeks ago wow so we've been very yeah so we've been estranged for seven eight years uh, and it's been a really it's been really tough on our family
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah Well, thanks for sharing yeah. it. Mean, one of the one yeah. of the things I talk about on these sh- on the show a lot is transparency and vulnerability. And yeah. obviously, you know, we, we don't know each other that long and you don't know our <laughs> listeners, but you're right. very transparent right there, right? So <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was think, tough. Yeah. Why do you why do you think some of the mm. best leaders that I've had the privilege to interview and be around? Mm. They're very, very transparent. Why do you think that is?
0: Well, I I I think it... You know, the people that have been there and really felt it and, ha- you know, um, the ones that have had the struggle, we learn from our struggles. You know, hopefully we learn. Hopefully we learn from our struggles and our hard times and move forward. And um, it, I, my, myself and then also with, with Tommy Spaulding, when I was listening to his podcast, I was resonating with his stuff. He had a lot of struggles when he was young and I had a lot of struggles when I was young. And we were fortunate. We were able to push, you know, through through those and become the people that we we are now, and, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's um, yeah.
1: Do you think people it. are like born with that? Do you think the best leaders are born with that? Do you think it's just something over time? I think
0: it's a bit of both. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think you know people like um, you know uh, sports professionals they have some type of a gene that they're you know they are they are better than others. They're born that way, and I think you know we are born this way too. But I really believe it's our environment. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the, the struggles that we've had and we've, we've been able to rise above, um, above these things. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Very tough. So what, yeah. um, what, what's, what's now? I mean, I know you got your, mm-hmm. you've got your, um, Gift ADD, which I I find that to be fascinating. (laughs) I've never been diagnosed with ADD, but I jokingly say that I Mm. I have it because it's like the attention span of a gnat, right? Exactly,
0: exactly. So, but
1: I think again, the more people I interview, the more successful people I'm around, the better clients. Um, You know, these clients that we have, it's the most successful people in the world have that that very short
0: attention
1: span. So. So yeah, what's that I, gift of ADD that you're, you're talking about in
0: that business you guys are doing? Well, I, I, my, my family um, and my coach, I have a coach. Um, my coach coaches CEOs from all over the world, you know, mostly the U.S. and Canada, but uh, from Dubai to India and Australia. And we were chatting about 10 years ago, um, and he was like, this is really, this is crazy, Nigel. He says that the majority of the guys or the people that I work with all either are dyslexic and have ADD. He said it's uncanny. He says we need to do something and to to show the world that you know um, that you know we're you know we because he also he's ADD. I'm dyslexic and ADD. Okay, (laughs) right. My coach, and um, to dispel this myth that uh, people with ADD and dyslexia, you know, it's a curse. It's actually not a curse. It's a gift. So we created a nonprofit. Called GiftAdd.com to share stories and uh, of, of of success stories. Not necessarily people just in business, but people in life. Right. You know, so um, everything from sports to entrepreneurs to people that uh, that have been able to you know give and have great great lives. So that's that's one of the things that I'm working on. But it was it was amazing. I, I for myself a large shift in my life uh, when I was able to graduate from college, which was which was crazy. And I was was working in this the oil industry. I started this business, which was called AquaGuard Spill Response. And um, I was living in, it was putting out fires every day. I, I call it the doorknob effect. You know, I'd show up to my office every day. I'd put my hand on the doorknob and I just, i take a deep breath I and I'd step works. into, what's that? <laughs> so hopefully this door opens or hopefully this thing. Yeah. Works. You're just like, I hope this opens. But yeah, I know when I step through, it's going to be a bee's nest yeah. and I'm going to have to be putting out fires all day long. And my life was like that for 20 years. Until an ex-professional uh, football player, alignment, 300-and-something-pound fella, who had just retired from professional football, he joined this group called the or Entrepreneurs, Young Entrepreneurs Organization at the time, which you've probably heard of. Oh, yeah. And he said, Nigel, you have to join this group. And I'm like, you know what? I have no time. I've got a young family. My business is it's chaos. And he looked at me and said, that's exactly why you need to come to a meeting with me. So he literally grabbed me by the scruff of the neck. Cause I wasn't going to say no to this 300 pound lineman <laughs> and he drags me to a meeting. And I tell you, that was probably one of the most important decisions of my life and my wife's life. Cause my wife, um, she was two feet in as well. Yeah. And I stayed in, involved with the, the young entrepreneurs organization that had evolved into just the entrepreneurs organization. And, you know, I, I've been, uh, a member for years and years and years and it, and it, you know, and I found that most of the people inside that group are either have ADD or dyslexia as well. <laughs> yeah. Good short attention
1: spans, right? So I talked to you spans, about a number of yeah. you know, professional baseball players or relief pitchers and you a yep. like, home run and you know, it's like the next night you got to go out in front of 40,000 screaming fans and a million people on TV and it's like, you know, how do you get past that? They say so you got to have a short attention span or short right, right. Uh, memory, right? Short-term memory yeah. because Short-term you memory. can't sit here and think about, oh, this is what I did last night. You got to no. think about Right right now, right here, and that's the passion for the process. Right, the things that you exactly think. What I've found is on that ADD type thing, or you know, whatever people want to say, you know, self-prescribe. Is the more clear I am on where I'm going, and the more clear I am in my daily focus, my daily habits, the faster I can get there. Would you agree with that?
0: I, I, I would totally agree with that. Yeah, and I also find that people with with ADD we actually operate better in in a bit of a crisis situation at times where we're able to hyper-focus, you know, which is, I I do a lot of um, adventure um, stuff I have since I was young, you know, backcountry skiing, rock climbing and all that. But I find if I'm rock climbing, but when I used to rock climb a lot, I used to be able to hyper-focus. I'd be scared to death at the beginning, but when I got into it, I could hyperfocus, and it was one pitch, one rope length of, 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 uh, of rope at a time, one pitch at a time, and that's basically how I go through Let You know, it's one pitch at a time. You know, you get to the top, you take a breath, you kind of, you get your head together, take another breath, and then you go and you lead out, and you do your next pitch, right? Um, and, but you're able to hyper-focus in those, in those situations. Um, it's been, yeah, yeah, it's it, it, very interesting.
1: So talk to us about um, fear. Mm -hmm. In a lot of these shows, I talk about fear and how uh, fear can be a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. It can can also be a very bad thing. Um, But I think the fears you've put in your mind over your lifetime, those have actually blown up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be.
0: Yeah, never, never, never. It's always always in my mind. Um, But I always find, you know... there, there there was a study done i learned when i i, I uh, the entrepreneurs organization is taking me in taking me into another group at MIT in boston which i've been going to for uh, 15 or it's our 16th year this year and it's called gathering of titans but it was part of their um, birthing of giants program inside the entrepreneurs organization and um, i was um, oh my gosh what was i going to say i lost my t- what was your question again <laughs> uh, it's funny, no just new number the fear. of fear and then yeah.
1: Blew up yeah
0: yeah when things um I um you know I I because I was you know dyslexic and ADD I had this fear of everybody was always you know more intelligent and smarter than myself and then to go to a group like this
1: right
0: you know I was just absolutely terrified you know almost at the point of vomiting before I drove into the driveway at MIT and I and I and I got there and you realize at the end of the day that you know everybody's just this, we're all the same we're all we all have families and we're trying to do um but I, So there was a study, uh, there was a speaker that spoke at one of our gatherings there. And she said, she said, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone is where we grow. Um, But she said, our brain actually rewires itself every every single time we do that. Mm. And every time we do that, our capacity to do those type of things broadens. Right. And we're able to do more of it. My, my son's an actor. My son uh, is an actor here in Vancouver. And I remember I used to tell him going to audition, he would, he would get sick like I would, because if I was going to speak, I'd be sick. I was a goalkeeper in soccer. I'd vomit before every soccer match. My son, the same thing going to auditions. He would pretty much vomit every time. Right. I said, you know what? You know, we, we, if we push ourselves, it means we're outside of our comfort zone. We're right. vomiting because we're outside of our comfort zone. But the next time we do it, it's going to get a little bit easier and, and it's going to get a little bit better. And you know that it, when you come out the other side, you're going to feel like a million bucks. Yeah. And so your, your brain actually does rewire and you're able to push yourself to much higher. I found for myself and for my yeah. son and other people that, you know, we're able to push ourselves a lot further than if we hadn't you know stepped out of that, that zone. So it was really an interesting study that I, that I, I was actually able to really connect with.
1: Yeah, I 1,000% connect with that. and In fact, I'm very open about that on this show. Is, yeah. Um, I did that a lot as a kid as well, right? I'd get sick before a game or I'd now, yeah. thankfully, anymore, I don't. But, you know, my first, gosh, 10, 15 years yeah. in the business, I would get sick before big meetings or absolutely speech or whatever it may be. And, and it's like <laughs> I always draw this little picture of, like, this little circle. And, you know, most people want to go right to the edge of it, right? Sure. And build this callus yes. and never jump out of their comfort zone
0: exactly exactly
1: and go out and build this bigger circle each time the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then it gets easier to do it
0: and it gets easier to do it exactly Exactly. how
1: do you battle through that and I'm like believe it or not you just have to go through the you just do it just you just got to do it yeah but it's very. but but
0: I, I do have I mean I do have old old friends you know that I've known for for 50 years now believe it or not, um, that, you know, have never really pushed themselves and it's the same, but that, that's fine. People are wired differently. Yeah. Um, but those that, you know, push themselves and I have people come to me and I said, they, they say, you know, how have you been able to do so much? And I, I don't think that I do that much. I honestly don't. <laughs> and, um, I, I just say, well, it's just, you just, it just kind of, you just kind of push yourself and push yourself a little bit. And, and then it, it evolves and it, and it happens, you know, and some, nice. Yeah. I mean, for, for myself, I, you know, uh, business is tough. Uh, business is tough and it, and, it, and it has been tough, but I've been really, really, really fortunate that over the years um, I've been able to set the business up to run without me. Um, I had a partner. Uh, I had a partner of 30 years and we're, we bought him out a few years ago back in 2012. And I had a, another guy come up through the ranks and he was the natural guy to, to run my business for me and um so it's it's been a it's been able it's been it's opened me up to be able to do so many more things in my life at this point i'm 57 now and i've been able to do you know these things that i really really care about and my book you know is it's called uh, take that leap risking it all for what really matters and for me in my stage of my life right now i i i get more joy out of giving of myself and as and as my family than anything else that I could ever imagine. So I've been really, really fortunate. And I think it's because I pushed myself so much when I was younger to to set things up. And I, was, I, I wasn't able to do that without, number one was joining the entrepreneurs organization or a peer group, some kind of a peer. I think peer groups are some of the most amazing experiences that we can have. And we do evolve out of them over time. We just go into another one. Good. And then having a, um, a coach hold me accountable to all my 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 goals and my desires over the years has just been absolutely paramount. You know, it's, um, and to be that. able to, it yeah.
1: is so crucial, right? I mean, it's, it is it's so critically important to slow down. And I think, especially for those listening that run companies, you're mm-hmm. the top. I mean, there's only, there's only so many people you can talk to, right? And yeah, so, there's, there's um, not
0: many, there's not many of, at all.
1: Yeah. A number yeah. of years with the coach, even though there's those times it would show up on the calendar and you're like, oh, I have no idea. I know talk about
0: today and next thing I know it's hour and a half's gone by and you know exactly exactly I would go we go we would um we would go hiking I'd hike with my coach in the mountains around here we'd talk for three hours and I would be I would feel exactly the same way as you I go what what am I going to talk about today I can't and I come out of there and I'd be like oh this was a this was absolutely incredible (laughs) like wow I just I just you know you just can't see the forest through the trees and it's and so so I worked with my, I worked with my coach, Kevin Lawrence for, he's a gazelles coach. He works with Vern is you know, yeah. the whole Vern Harnish. Group. Um, uh, and so I worked with him for probably over 10 years and the, we, we would uh, work our way through these little asteroid belts of things like setting up the business to run without me, you know, bringing in new people and et cetera. But there was one last thing on my list that I, that I had my, my biggest goal for me and mine was, you know, basically taking my family and traveling for a year Mm -hmm. and setting, setting everything up to run without me. So then I could take my family and we could travel. And so I was on the phone to Kevin and we're going through the list and he says, Hey, there's, you know, one more thing on your list here that you, you know, you really wanted to achieve here. And I said, Oh yeah. Okay. What, what was that? And he goes, well, it's take off for a year with your family and travel. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you know, the, the same old, you know, excuses, and he goes, no, 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 this was on your list. This is what you really wanted. You wanted to achieve freedom. Freedom was your biggest goal. And I said, yes, I know, but, but, but. And, and he said, well, your wife, Ray, my wife's uh, name is Reiko. And he says, Rayko there. And she was there. And he said, could you ask her if she still, you know, if she wants to do that? And I said, well, I, you know, she's busy. She can't. So right. I yelled across the kitchen. You know, every, said, every reason why I'm
1: not going to do this. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And I yelled across the kitchen. And I said, hey, Reiko, you know, uh, do you still want to take that year off and travel the world and blah, 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 And she goes, absolutely. And I said, okay. And Kevin's like, okay, that's it. Let's set it up. It'll take us a couple of months to do it. And then you're gone. So within two months, I think we were, we were gone. We hit 17 countries. We are, my son had just graduated from high school. My, my daughter was in the ninth grade. We homeschooled her and we were, we were off the beaten path. Like we're Airbnbs or little apartments, no fancy hotels. And we were in Myanmar and uh, Bhutan and Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, you know, the Middle God. East. And it was the most incredible thing that I've ever done. And I made up all the excuses in the world not to do it. Right. And it was cool. easy. Think it was actually, it was easy.
1: Think of that gift for your children.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, my my kids have become just great uh, global citizens because we do we do a lot of volunteer work as well. Yeah, yeah. And when when what Tommy mentioned it was funny, Tommy mentioned uh, going to Homes of Hope in Mexico, and uh, building houses for the for the homeless. And we've been we've been doing the same program. I've never crossed come across them down there. We've been doing that for years with well, Now you guys are connected because of the yeah, show. So it's, it's incredible. Great. But 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 uh, as we like to give us our family to go with our family and take part in something like that. I don't think there's anything more powerful as parents that we can give to our kids and to ourselves and to the people that we're, you know, we're working with.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Jesse Edsler and just following his mm-hmm. life. And right. Talked about being with uh, of all people, a financial person, like what we do for a living. And yeah, we talk to our clients about this too. It's, you know, of course you want to give money to your kids and do all that stuff right. too. But in right. that growth stage, you also, wouldn't it be great to also give them experiences? Yeah. Yeah. Because right. what are they going to remember more, the, the money or are they going to remember the experiences the they had? The
0: experience. Yeah. I know my, my wife and I, when our kids were very, very young, we agreed that we were going to focus on raising our kids as global citizens and showing them as much as this amazing world as, as we could. And we, but we would go simple, you know, backpack and simple. Since we were, I think we were in Thailand, my daughter was three months old and breastfeeding and my boys were three and five. And, uh. I had an EO buddy that had moved there, but it was, you know, that was pretty, you know, ballsy to go with three yeah. little tiny kids. And, yeah. But that, that opened it up that, and they have haven't, my daughter right now, my daughter's 19. She, um, she's teaching skiing in Hakuba, Japan for this winter. She's 19. And uh, yeah. And my, my son he's 25 and he just got, he's working uh, as a full-time job now, but he, he took three months. He was traveling in India and China and, all over Asia last year, and then you know oh, yeah. my other yeah. It's just yeah, my other son gets on a plane and is touring around Peru and helping and with kids and things down there. It's, well, they're uh, really cool, example,
1: right? So I think as a leader, just you got to lead by example.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's just, but it's just so it's just so amazing to to be able to have that opportunity to do that. And and I, I know a lot of us, you know, like I made up so many excuses that I just know I can't do it. I'm too busy in my business. I'm too busy and whatever, but, I, but I really found that as entrepreneurs, um, every day is, is can be chaos and every day we're putting out fires and it's so easy to say, you know what, I'm going to skip, skip my son's soccer practice today because I've got a meeting or I'm going to, you know, I, I'm not going to go to my kid's Christmas concert because I've, you know, they, they don't know I'm there anyway, you know, but I, I, I think that, you know, um, it, it just means so much to them that we do this. So I think that, you know, as entrepreneurs, it's just don't skip our our kids um, stuff for a business uh, for a business crisis because we're in crisis every day. It's so easy to get, and once you get into that rhythm of doing it, twenty years goes by. And unfortunately, most you know, I'd say that eighty percent or seventy percent of the entrepreneurs I that I know have had really difficult relationships with their kids and their significant others
1: over the years. And, when you hear the word choices, what comes to mind? Yeah. Choices.
0: Choices to spend as much time as we can, you know, for me, um, spend as much time as we can with our families. You know, the, the, the holiday season has just passed here and, um, we had a wonderful, wonderful time, but I hear a lot of other people that have had really, really tough times, um, because of the relationships with their kids or their families. And, um, the choices that we make when our kids are young, but when our kids are young, typically that's when we have our, our as an entrepreneur, that's when our businesses are just starting out right. and it's easy to brush things off. Don't do it. Yeah. That's my only, I mean, experience or advice would be just, just make that effort to be there because it means so much and it'll mean so much when they're in their, their twenties and thirties and whatever they are, cause they'll want to hang with, you know, I'm so fortunate that we, we surf a lot as a, as, ki- as a family and. I'm out there with my kids and they look after me because I'm wrecking myself and I'm <laughs> dragging myself on the beach and look the old water. guy on the surfboard now. Right? I'm the old guy on the surfboard that can barely surf and they're always, you know, some of the most incredible times I've ever had is actually just paddling out through the waves, sitting out there in the sunset and watching the sun go down with my kids around me and they go, Hey Dad, you catch this one. I'm like, yeah. Cool, man, thanks. And off I go. I paddle out and I see them catch a few. And we're all sitting out there in the tranquility of of, of the ocean. And I don't think there's anything more special anywhere. than yeah. Something like that
1: That's beautiful, yeah. but, it, sure. but it's
0: a lot. It takes a lot of work.
1: Oh, I bet. I've never yeah. done that, but I bet that does it's, uh, yeah. it's on the old bucket list, learn how to surf, right?
0: <laughs> well, I learned when I was five, I had a bucket list because for my EO guys, we put a bucket list when the film came out, I think when I turned 40. And so I, when I turned 40, I, I learned how to surf. I learned how to play ice hockey. I started taking guitar lessons. There was something else. I can't remember what it was. But I hadn't done any of that before I was 40. Yeah, I <laughs> and, now, and now I just love it's all of it.
1: It's, it's brutally tough and, and frustrating to learn to play the guitar, isn't it? It, it is,
0: yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But yeah. The, the cool thing was is we all were going to like a Tom Lee music down the road. So I wanted to learn. My kids wanted to learn. So we'd each go in and have our half an hour lessons. Right. You know? but we wouldn't see each other. I'd sit outside with my guitar. But then I said to the instructor, hey, you know, why don't you just come to our house and we'll do a family band. He goes. That's an awesome idea. So we've been doing a family band for years, and yeah, we we did some recording together down in a studio, and uh, yeah, it's just been just a riot, just bringing it all together.
1: So what what do you wish if if you if if you could make a wish? um, Mm -hmm. Somebody picks up your book today. What's what's that one wish you hope they get from that book? That one thing.
0: Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stories, and I wrote the book as a. a book of experiences and experience and story sharing from, from a life as opposed to a how to book. I know a lot of books these days are, just, you know, how how to become a billionaire or how to become a, you know, whatever, you know, three steps to that, which is, which is great, but I didn't want to write a book that way. Um, but out of my book, I, you know, I, there's, there's a lot around, you know, the business and the early days of of starting and running a business and and the trials and tribulations, you know, for me, you know, joining a, the entrepreneurs organization was huge. Getting a, getting a coach was huge, um, and staying you know together with these peer groups. But then at the end, um, it's being able to you know I share stories of how I was able to set my business up to run without me.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: still connected. I was um, I was approached oh I was approached ten say ten years ago to sell my business to a large British competitor, and uh, we had the deal done had the deal done. And uh, they, they put down a deposit, and I thought, this is every entrepreneur's dream. Everything that I've ever learned in, say, the book, The E-Myth, you know, by Michael Gerber, was to set your business up, put, uh, put everything together, and unload it for a big bag of cash. You know, put all the systems in place and unload it. And I thought, that's what is happening. And I was offered a big bag of cash, but then we had a speaker who uh, was at my, my um, MIT class. Her name was Lynn Twist. Uh, she wrote a book called The Soul of Money. And she works with indigenous tribes in the Amazon to help preserve their way of life. And she invited myself and my family and some of the other members of my class to go deep into the Amazon to uh, witness a tribe that only had contact with that group. uh, They'd only been discovered 10 years ago. So I went with my family and uh, we went on this amazing journey and we we did what was called a, a ceremony with the Ashwar tribe. And it consisted of ayahuasca, which is a um, hallucinogenic, uh, two vines that come together. And I had no idea what we were going to do. So I was, But I was really perplexed at the time whether I should sell my business or not. But I mean, it had already pretty much sold. And I was going to get this big bag of cash. And I went on this journey. And I think what it did is it, it tapped into my deep, deep conscience. And I saw this face. I saw this face look at me. It was a great, warm, beautiful face and smiling. And I thought, well, this is great. And then it turned to a face of great responsibility. And it really scared me. And, but, and I was on this, this ayahuasca journey in the middle of the rainforest on the side of the Amazon. And um, I, when I was flying back to uh, Vancouver, I, I said, you know what? I'm doing this for the wrong reason. I'm selling my business for the wrong reason. I'm selling it for a big bag of cash. But what am I going to do? I'm going to go I'm going to sit on the beach and sell t-shirts now? What am I going to do? And I think what my conscience was trying to tell me was that I have a great responsibility not to sell the business, but to use my business and leverage the platform that I've made and built with all these amazing people for 30 years. Was I going to give all that up? But if I could leverage that to do good in the world, that, that was really, that would have amazing an amazing impact. And so what I did is I came back to Vancouver. I flew to London. I took the deal off the table. I said, guys, business isn't for sale. Came back, bought up my business partner, brought this other fellow up and been with me since he was 18 years old. And I've been using my platform and my business to do, to do as much good as I can. Whoever wants me, um, who, if there's anything that I can contribute to, I'm, I'm there. And I think as entrepreneurs, we all have a great responsibility um, to help you know, the world, the planet, society, whatever it is, um, as opposed to just hoarding and making as much cash as we possibly can and building walls around ourselves. We, we, once, if we do, I've seen people in my, um, in my circle that have sold their businesses for hundreds of millions of dollars. And they've, it's unfortunate it seem to have lost their soul. And every single one of them have, have come up to me a few years after the sale and said, I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. I shouldn't I'm have done it. I
1: hear the exact same thing.
0: Yeah. And it, it's like, it's almost like you lose your, you lose your soul. You build a wall around yourself and your family and you get very, you, 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 you come from a life of where you've been living in abundance, where you, you, you create a life of scarcity now, because now you have a pile of cash and your principal is depleting and you're, you know, Oh my gosh, I'm not getting the returns that I used to get having my business. And, and it gets really scary. And I, uh, there was a gentleman that I met um, that had sold his business and had a really horrific experience. He was in my class in Boston this April. And he said, unless you know exactly, crystal clear, what your life's purpose is, do not liquidate. And I've really, I found the exact same thing. So I've been able to use my business. So out of my book, um, it's, it's the whole journey of that, the process of starting the business and then some of the trials and tribulations when I was in Egypt, et cetera but then also um, all the way through to being able to set the business up to run without me and being able to leverage my platform of all these years to do good. And I think that's, that's my great responsibility. You know, I saw that my conscience was talking to me, I believe, and, and uh, to leverage as much as I can to do good in the world. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do.
1: Well, you're doing that. And I think I, when I think about this episode, I think about, I think about courage. I think about mm. stepping outside of your comfort zone, right? About, making your family a priority. I think about, uh, saying yes, right. Scarcity, right. Scarcity of time, scarcity of, right. uh, I wouldn't even say scarcity of abundant thinking.
0: Right. Yeah. things
1: yeah. small aren't going to go do this thing over here for, 40, yeah. right. I need to get, yeah. paid, right? I got to do this. I'm like, yeah, man, I think that's the wrong way to think. I can't tell you how many things and how much mm-hmm. time I've given or done for free that I don't do it for any other reason other than I'm passionate about helping other people achieve a future greater than their past. Yes. It's amazing how it comes back tenfold.
0: It does. It really right. does.
1: I am and That's not the focus though.
0: No, and it's not and it's not the focus. And I think the harder we push in one direction, the harder it is if we let things kind of evolve and we and we're in the space that we enjoy, things happen exponentially. I mean, since I was able to step, I mean, I still, I mean, I still love my business and, and the people that are here are amazing, but it's allowed me to do so much more, um, and live my life's purpose. Yeah. And once I was able to step into that realm, I've been meeting people, you know, it's, it's almost daily out of the blue that'll come to me that, that are doing incredible things in the world. You know, I also have a, um, I, I was so fortunate to travel, travel the world with my, with my kids. Um, and because we're divers and surfers and whatnot, we, um, uh, we would spend a lot of time in the ocean, but in a lot of the countries, we'd see that the, the oceans were full of plastic and garbage. And so we came back and we, we started this app called True Beach, which allows people to post um, true conditions of the beaches and the oceans around the world. Mm. And I, I, I just since I've stepped into that, that realm, people have been coming to me from all over the world and out of, out of the blue. And that are doing incredible things. And the, the most amazing thing that I've really noticed, with you know, because I haven't done a lot of nonprofit stuff, but now that I'm doing a lot more, a lot of them are women, and they're women CEOs of these these organizations. Uh, there's Ocean Legacy, and there's uh, Surf Rider Foundation, and um, they're doing absolutely incredible things. So I mean, there's us being a guy. Right. In this world, it's very interesting to see the women are really, really coming on strong in, in you know, in this space. And I'm really, you know, really
1: happy to see it. Well, my kids will be checking out that app, as will I, because we have a <laughs> we have normal spot we go to for, uh, yeah. for, you know, for lunch or dinner at our normal vacation spot. And mm-hmm. uh, they've got the paper straws, right? Not the plastic straws, but the paper yeah. straws. Awesome. Even the, the turtles, right? Exactly. And so Now, you know, we don't live, I'm in the Midwest, in the St. Louis area. And so, yeah. You know, there's no beaches around here, but right. My kids love the places around here that have paper straws. They're like they're saving the turtles. You know, so I know,
0: I know, I know.
1: It's good stuff, and I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm so glad to hear what you're doing because. Well, the,
0: the, an interesting thing that you say about your kids is that I know when Lynn Twist invited us to go into the Amazon when I was at my class in, in Boston, it was mostly for CEOs, and it was a, it was basically a fundraiser to help bring awareness to this yeah. this tribe in the Amazon. And I said to her, I said, Lynn, I want to bring my family with me. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. Um, it's really, I said, Lynn, I've got this much bandwidth left in my life. Right. My kids and my family have, my kids have this much.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know, they're the future. They're the ones that are going to make you know the huge changes, and 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 so they have to come because they have they're way a lot more savvy on social media and whatnot than yeah. than I am. And if they experience something like that, they're going to tell everybody, and it's going to go exponential. Yeah. And she said, you know what? You're right. And so she invited them and my kids got to go and spend time with Yashwar and really see, you know, you know, the ramifications of oh, what we're doing, you know, in, in, in the Amazon from deforestation to oil pollution and whatnot. And so, yeah, so you're, you're, you're so right. You know, they're the, the, with the straws, I'm really amazed the straw thing took off. It only took about two or three years for that straw thing to just go ballistic. Yeah. So imagine what we can do with all this other well, if
1: you're oh, the straw well. salesman, how, do you, how does somebody say no to saving yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so where do our listeners find more of Nigel Bennett? Where, uh, where do we find you?
0: Yeah, you can go to uh, www.nigeljbennett.com at my website. Um, my book is there. Um, it, there's a link there to Amazon. You can get the book, Take That Leap, Risking It All for What Really Matters on Amazon also I did the audio version back in the summer here so it's also that's available on audible and iTunes and you know,
1: wherever you can get it so yeah. that's awesome. well Nigel thanks so much for being with us on the circuit of success uh, again just uh, lots of takeaways here from family to, to taking risks to traveling seeing the world and just not only just seeing it because you can and you want to go on vacation but seeing it and trying to make a difference in the world So thank you hats off to you for what you're doing much no, pre- thanks, Brett.
0: I really, really appreciate it. Great chatting with you.
1: Yeah, you as well. Thanks so much.
0: Okay, take care. Tune in next week for another episode of the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the LineUpMedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, CircuitofSuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of of lineofmedia.fm.